This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Shall we begin? Welcome to Popcorn Culture with Lynn and Arvin. It is a big review for us today. It's complicated. <laughs> I will start off by saying our feelings are complicated. But anyways, we are talking about The Flash, which is the latest from DC and is directed by Andy Muschietti. It stars uh, Ezra Miller returning as Barry Allen or The Flash. It's got a whole bunch of other people as well, and especially... A certain Michael Keaton, which we'll talk about. Yeah, so I don't want to sugarcoat my opinions of the movie, but I also wanted to start out on a positive note because why be a downer throughout the episode, <laughs> right? Um, so I'll say that I we liked, already did that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I liked or uh, I loved thirty percent of the movie. Um, I can even bump it up to a thirty-five percent lah, if if that's better. Um, and that thirty-five for, for you, <laughs> for me, for me on a personal level. Uh, and that thirty-five percent basically consists of all of Michael Keaton scenes as Batman, um, all of Sasha Kaye's scenes as Supergirl. She was awesome in the movie, uh, and Ben Affleck's final scenes as Batman in in this. DC timeline, or so we think. Um, Hold on, sorry. Ben Affleck's final scenes as Batman or Ben Affleck's final scenes as Bruce Wayne? I think both. Okay, all right. If, if this movie is to be believed, it's his final time as both. No, no, but I mean in your 30%, are you counting his performance as Batman or his performance as Bruce Wayne? Because they're quite different and they come with like different standards. They're quite, uh, mostly Bruce Wayne. Mm, that's what uh, I thought. I'm, I'm going to give the bonus to Batman as well. I've always liked his version of Batman, so okay, fine. Um, and I think I'm also going to spend most of this episode talking about Michael Keaton as Batman without any spoilers. But yeah, at, at the moment, 35%. Okay, I liked it a little more than that. Um, I think that on the whole, if you ignore a bunch of really, really annoying CG, um, some Oof. deeply annoying performance elements, if, if you take out some stuff, um, what you're left with is a something like a one and a half hour to one hour, 45 minute, very enjoyable, watchable comic book movie. So I think it, it's, it's trying to think about it in a few different ways, right? The problem, and I've said this for a while now, is that comic book movies have gotten so blown out of proportion that it's difficult to discuss because fans treat it like the universe saving things that the films are trying to do in the film, um, when in fact they are still comic book movies, right? These are people dressed up in very tight, bright outfits, running around, 
literally doing stuff. And so um, for me, with The Flash, I think that there are some parts that are very watchable and entertaining. And then there are some other parts that are just very problematic, which we can talk about. But let's, you know what, let's start on a high. I agree with you. Michael Keaton's the best. I will hear... Nothing said, nothing negative said about him. Mm -hmm. Um, Every moment that he was on and the iconic Batman theme came on for him, I just, I just, I I think my smile could have split my face. I was leaning (laughs) forward. I was so excited. I was so excited to see him. Year to year. Like smiling year to year. Just Just so joyous. He's so joyous. Like I want to use the word euphoria. And it's not even, I'm not even exaggerating. I felt like a kid in the cinema. I've never seen Michael Keaton on the big screen as Batman, but he's always been my favorite Batman, my first Batman. Um, it, it's awesome. Like he just, he slips back into that suit like he's, he's worn it like every day in the last 30 years. Um, I think that the irony of this movie is that although it's about time and speed, this movie doesn't know how to time or pace itself very well. Uh, it's it's a chunky two hours and 35 minutes and it feels overly long. It feels bloated, uh, like they cram too much into one movie. And, and it's too bad because I feel like there's a powerful story at the heart of The Flash that's about going back in time and saving someone you love and reversing the source of your, your grief and your sadness and your heartache. And it's powerful, right? It's so powerful because literally every single one of us has had that fantasy or that wish like go if we could go back in time just once one time to fix something it can be like small and meaningless or it can be to see the the ones we've lost and it blows my mind how a movie like this didn't have the nuance to make that work like a fundamental human (sighs) story and based on the flashpoint paradox which is such a good iconic story in dc's um, lineup and it didn't get it right. So, okay, so this bums me out a bit because I think that there are elements of what they were trying to do with that story about um, how, like you said, how much would you do? How much would you risk in order to undo a, a deep original hurt? What would you do? What would it mean to try and do that? I I thought that what the movie did in essence was throw up those questions, um, prop it up with some gravitas by like a Ben Affleck and then fritter it away for another 45 minutes. So that was the pattern of what they would do, right? They would have this big central conversation every so often about these things that we're talking about. That conversation, because there are actually a fair amount of good actors in this, that conversation would be delivered quite well done quite beautifully and then before you know it we're back in kind of the the messiness of the film and the general I'm just going to call it ugliness of the film Mm. it's very strange to see um, where the budget went and in this movie you can very very clearly see moments in which things look great again anything to do with Michael Keaton and the you know and that setting uh, just looked Tremendous. It looked exactly as it ought to. Um, And then there is, as you rightly point out, the flashpoint paradox in which that thing that happens needs to look great because that's the whole film. And that thing in which significant chunks of the movie are set looks ridiculous, like really bad. Looks looks embarrassing to watch. Like I cringed watching it in the cinemas. Like what is happening? Like what am I looking at? So that bugged me, right? Because I was watching it and thinking, look, if you can't, 
if you can't get this right, maybe this isn't a story that can be done for you yet. You know, if you don't have mm. the talent supporting the the kind of effects that you need in order to make this thing look real, then maybe this is not a story you can do. Because I, I rarely argue that, oh... Um, the special effects were bad and ergo the story doesn't work. But in this case, the special effects kind of is the story. And so it, mm. it's a little bit difficult. So I will say that we get two Barry Allens in the movie. That's in the trailer. That's right? in the trailer, so it's, not yeah. a, it's, it's not a spoiler. Um, and the VFX work is so seamless and so realistic and so convincing that sometimes you forget that you're watching one actor play two roles. Like, you know, with the eye lines, with, uh, with the touching and... It, it's so advanced that you you don't realize that it's CGI anymore. So that I will I will give them credit where credit is due. The berries the berries are seamless and they're together yeah. for a significant part of the movie and interacting actually in increasingly complex ways. It's not like one person's back of the head is always facing the camera. It's nothing like that. You really get the sense that you're watching two people. Two people. Mm. And I think that's, I, I would say that's where the budget went for because the rest of the movie, the CGI is is really not even questionable. It, it's bad to watch. Like it feels uh, undone or unfinished. You know what's funny though? Like we just did a Guilty Pleasure Supercut last week. Yeah. And I was thinking about how this would have been an amazing Guilty Pleasure movie. And you know, like you know me, like my standards for movies are questionable or low. I, mean, at, at I never said that. I've never said that on air. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying it. Like I would, I, I love to love these sorts of movies. But I think because the movie had so much potential going for it and mm. it, it, it had all the ingredients to be something special is what frustrates me the most. That they couldn't nail that, even though it's been in like a production or, or development for, for a decade almost. So... There's no excuse la, at this point. It's also more deserving. Like I said, the story itself is a really interesting one. There's a lot to explore about about paradoxes. There's a lot to explore with grief and some of the stuff. Mm -hmm. Look, this is exactly like, what was that movie that we watched recently? Ah, Shazam. Um, this, was, <laughs> <laughs> this was like Shazam in that there were huge portions of the movie where I thought, Actually, this, I, this isn't working for me at all. And then there were sequences involving family in which suddenly I found myself weeping and I thought, I don't know whose problem this is. I don't know if it's the movie's problem or my problem, but there it is. Which is all of which to say that I think some of what it wants to do with grief is very interesting and about 60% mm. effective. And then suddenly it just goes, I don't know where. You know how you called it uh, um, a comic book movie earlier? Mm. Isn't it the best comic book movie ever made according to like very influential people in the industry? Like James Gunn came out and said that it's one of the best ever made. James David Gunn Gazla, has a vested the interest. CEO, <laughs> the CEO of Warner Brothers called it the best comic book movie ever made. But I think like what frustrated me the most is the, the way they were hawking this as some kind of an MLM product. Um, and Tom Cruise, <laughs> Tom Cruise apparently raved on the phone for 15 minutes about how we need more movies like this in cinemas. I'm like, you made Top Gun. You're like the practical effects wizard and people called you like the savior of cinema. How can you endorse this? Like Mission Impossible 7 is coming out next month. Like how can you endorse a movie that looks this bad? It's, uh, yeah, I, 
I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> to put it simply, I'm really not sure. Like They I, lied, right? They just outright just fundamentally lying. lied. I, I think if you say you enjoy the movie, I get it. Because it's yes. an like I said, it's enjoyable. If you take it outside of the the expectation, if you take it outside of uh, past disappointments with DC, if you try and remove it from its baggage, I think it's actually an enjoyable, if at points, very ugly movie. But... Mm. Still enjoyable. People saying it's the best, though, I, I really cannot understand. Um, we'll come back and discuss this a little bit more uh, because Arvin is still angry. I can feel it. Um, <laughs> we're talking today about The Flash, which ended up being directed by Andy Muschietti, uh, he of IT fame, although there have been several other directors attached to it. They've dropped out over time. Same goes for screenwriters. So it, it's been a difficult film to make it to the big screen anyway. But um, let us know. If you've watched The Flash, did you like it? Did you not like it? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Beats, funk, mixtapes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. What's happening? You changed the future. Change the past. What did you do? Want some help? You're, you are, you're. Yeah. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone. You're still listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn and Arvin, and together we are reviewing The Flash. So let's talk about The Flash himself. Barry Allen, um, played by Ezra Miller, twice. Um, okay, what did you think? So with all the controversy about Ezra Miller, like mm. there were criminal charges against him. He's been arrested multiple times last year. It's It's been in the news, right? Deeply and problematic behavior, yeah. Deep, deeply problematic behavior. I want to say that I was able to see their performance objectively, but there were so many of these charges in the news stacked against them that it was impossible to ignore. It's, a, it's, it's very difficult to get lost in the character when you're aware of the stuff that the actor has done in real life. That being said, though, I thought they they did a good job playing both versions of Barry. Um, I didn't think it was great. It was I thought it was fine. Um, I think the movie needed someone with more emotional heft to pull off some of the things that the role demanded of them. Um, and personally, I found like younger Barry extremely annoying, and not even in a good way. He, it, the character was supposed to be. But I just didn't like seeing the character on, on screen. It was, he was shrill and irritating and it didn't help the movie's case for me on a, on a personal basis at all. No, I, I, I find it hard to believe that you would be alone in this, I think. Um, okay, I want to start off by saying that in the past when Ezra Miller was touted as one of the best things to come out of Justice League, I was in agreement. Um, and I'm talking about Justice League Same. original because I, I really did struggle with that movie I mean, I struggled with the Snyder Cut as well, but that's a different story. But I, I really did struggle with that movie. But I thought that Ezra Miller had a lot of charisma and uh, a lot of charisma and a lot of just magnetism when they came on screen. And you felt a realism with the character that they were playing as well. So I appreciated that. And I thought that having a standalone movie would mean an extension of that. But instead, it felt as if 
that was it. Um, and there's a very big difference between turning in a good performance as a side character and then in having to helm a movie all on your own, which I think is a problem that we see all the time, again, with comic book movies, where you have somebody enter the fray and you think, ah, oh, yeah, that person, that person's going to make a great two-hour standalone. And then you watch it again and you're like, oh, okay, maybe... Maybe we overestimated the the appeal or the stretch either of the actor or of the character itself. So there are a few different things there. I, but I did think that based on how good I thought they were in Justice League, that it didn't necessarily stretch out in The Flash. Um, but there were a lot of things that I did like. I think the physicality of the performance, um, the, the sort of starting pose was great. Um, I think some elements of the humour really did work for me. Not all the time. Some of it felt intrusive. But there were a lot of elements of the performance that did work. Even in Other Barry, who I felt truly could... I'm struggling to find... Was a nitwit. Like, one mm. of the Barrys is just a nitwit. But, but he's played exactly as a nitwit should be. It's the argument that you could make. I, I like the use of the speed force, the effect that the speed force has. Like, so when he's gearing up to start running, yeah. that effect, that it, it's very, like, cinematic and it also gives you, like, a sense of speed, right? Which is so, so important for uh, a movie like this. Um, can I also say that, you know, I, I have nothing against nostalgia bait and fan service. I think it's part of nerd culture and geek culture. But I think when you inherit IP, like Michael Keaton's Batman, it comes with some legacy and goodwill and like an inbuilt fandom, which is a bit of a gift, right? So you have to honor that and use it properly because you're starting out on a huge advantage. Even though I said I love, 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 love seeing Michael Keaton back as Batman, I feel like this movie did nothing to add to that legacy or advance the character in any way or contribute to that legacy for or pay it forward for the next person or the next filmmaker who might inherit Michael Keaton's Batman, you know? Um, mm. it, 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 used it, it used it like a toy. It used the character like a toy. It used him to sell the movie, to slap on posters. And for me, that's the worst kind of nostalgia bait and fan service because it, it does nothing. It's cheap, it's gimmicky, um, and it doesn't enhance such a big IP that you've been given in any way and, and which is such a waste, right? At the end of the day, it's such a waste. So I agree with that. But then I was also thinking that for my, someone like a Michael Keaton, um, it just, you know, as a person, that something like this is a huge win in the sense that mm -hmm. the movie might not be great. No, even the people who think, okay, the movie might not be great. The people who think that it's a tremendous masterpiece are in a minority. Broadly speaking, I think, mixed reviews, right? But one thing in which uh, that nobody's mixed on is Michael Keaton's stardom and impact. And I think that that's, that's a win. In a movie that you're in for like all of um, half an hour or something like that, and maybe a little bit yeah. more, um, in, in a very long, bloated two-hour 35, um, and... All anybody can do coming out of it is talk about you. I think that's great. So even though I agree with you that it was cynical uh, and there was a lot of it that I, when certain things happen, I thought, this is how we're doing it. This is it, really. Um, despite all of that, I was so happy to see a movie give Michael Keaton and Michael Keaton's Batman and Bruce Wayne, the star treatment that it deserves years, decades after he's played the role. 
it also made me appreciate um, the Burton Batman movies so much more, like 10 times more than I already did. And I love those movies because it just goes to show, right, like how much Tim Burton's sense of lighting and shadow and cinematography contributed to creating that version of Batman. Because the suit here, the suit that Michael Keaton wears is the same suit from 89. And you would you could easily mistake it for the suit from Batman Forever because of the lighting. And it looks kind of goofy. It looks a bit weird. And I was just thinking like, oh man, I miss the Tim Burton element and how much that sort of made the whole aesthetic work. Um, I'm definitely going to watch those movies again now just because I saw The Flash with Michael Keaton in it. So... Okay, let's agree then that we're not huge fans of The Flash to, to varying degrees. Um, I think it's no surprise that I like it more. I have less invested in it. So when, when we came out of it and that was our reactions, I was like, yeah, I mean, I completely see where you're coming from. But because I'm not as invested, I'm more inclined to give it the benefit of doubt. But moving forward... What happens after this? What do we know about what happens? Because for some reason, Aquaman 2 is still coming out later, despite the fact that, for example, your Henry Cavill is famously gone. Um, ben Affleck here with his, oh, his, his bat suit fits so poorly. We didn't even so manage poorly. to talk about that. But it, I think it really takes a very, very bad mask to render someone as famous as Ben Affleck unrecognizable. <laughs> Like on the big screen, I was like, is that him? But that's his voice. Why does he look like that? Anyways, um, Ben Affleck seems to be on the way out. Uh, Henry Cavill's already out. The Flash does certain things with reality that allow for other things to happen story-wise moving forward. What happens next? I, I have no idea. And, and the thing is, they marketed this movie like the end of the current DC timeline, right? So the Snyderverse is done. Long live James Gunn's DCU. I didn't get that sense at all. Like the, the ending we got made no sense. The post credit scene was bad and equally confusing. <laughs> and, and I'm still lost as to what or who is going to be included in the DCU. And I, and I just found this out. They shot like three different endings for this movie. Oh, sure they uh, did. Yeah, two, were, two I think were pretty amazing and, and had implications for the future of the franchise. The one we got was shot like in one afternoon, early January this year. <laughs> and it's fine. It's, it's whatever. But how how is this a, a reset? I have no idea. Like, what does this do to the larger DC universe? This was the, the prince that was promised, right? It was supposed yeah. to be that movie. I, how? Okay. I mean, that seems about right. Um, <laughs> uh, we're talking today about The Flash. Let us know if you've watched it yet, if you liked it, um, if you're excited for future installments in the DCEU. Um, you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio and write to us at movies at bfm.my. been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.